Tyler win an MVP this year? I hope so. Uh, you guys are you guys are up to something. This was the worst comments I ever got on a high-rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time. Run up pads on, so we're not gonna talk about a whole lot of nothing. Tuesday is sparring day. Wednesday is day that we install everything that we're gonna do in the game, and Thursday we just turn it up a notch, you know. Everybody, welcome to the Back Judge Podcast, AFC East 2019, July 11th, 2019, a revolutionary day for the boys. Uh, hopefully, we'll have all clean audio for you. Multi-track editing. We're becoming a professional media organization, slowly but surely. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Shout out Glenn Lowry. Blogging heads. Big, yeah, big, uh, big audio issues over there. Hopefully they can figure out. But the content makes up for it, and I think that's what the back judge uh, has, has achieved over the past few years. Shoddy audio, but you, you stick around for the takes, man. So AFC East last year, this division finished out. Jets at four, Bills at three, Dolphins at two, and of course the Super Bowl Patriots defeating the LA Rams at number one last year. But let's just jump in right from the bottom at the Jets, who kind of like the Browns, kind of like the Raiders, have had a really noisy offseason with with some drama. Uh, They fired Mike McCagnan after the draft took place, uh, took Joe Douglas away from the Eagles and turned him into their new GM. There was noise about Adam Gase. Uh, not really agreeing with the paying of C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell, two guys that got huge contracts from the Jets. Uh, and he says, I don't know, there was just rumblings that he wasn't happy with the amount of money that they paid him. And this just kind of seems to be par for the course with, with Gase teams. And in Miami, it was, it was always a circus of him, you know, throwing people under the bus to the media. And he's obviously a talented head coach. Uh, last year, the Dolphins finished seven and nine, and their roster was pretty horrible. Um, and you know, playing Brock Osweiler in in some games even last year. So, uh, but now he is at the helm. Obviously, they wanted to pair him with the young quarterback, that ever elusive offensive head coach, young quarterback combo. Uh, last year, moving away from Todd Bowles, who had been there for a few years prior. Uh, also bringing in Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator, which is what it is, I suppose. But last year, I was really high on the, on the Jets. And like Tommy was saying in last year's episode, I picked them to get that sixth seed in the playoffs. And they vastly underperformed that. So where are you guys at with, with what this team has done in this offseason to kind of improve themselves and maybe even contend for a wild card spot this year? Um. I just think it's very interesting, this team, because there's a lot of negatives I think I can bring up about this team, and then there's a lot of positives. Um, I think the hiring of Adam Gase was definitely a positive in terms of an offensive mind club like you were talking about with the head coach-quarterback duo. But at the same time, I really was uh, – I was rooting for Gase to, to take a little more – or put a little more confidence in himself and just call the plays offensively. But he decided to bring the offensive coordinator, uh, Dowell Loggins, uh, with him from Miami, who I don't necessarily agree with his – uh, the way he calls plays and the way he runs an offense. So I didn't necessarily like to see that. And then I really don't know what to think of Greg Williams. The guy obviously has experience, but he's been on a bunch of different teams in the past few years, and I don't really necessarily know if he's a guy who's going to be around for that long. And this team was not 
at all afraid to spend money this offseason bringing in Le'Veon Bell. But then at, on the same token, Le'Veon Bell's a great player. We all know he can perform. But the guy's getting his house robbed of nearly a half a million dollars by two naked women. It's like this is not the, the guy you really necessarily want to be spending all this money on. I, I just don't think locker room-wise that it's going to be you know a great – tight-knit type of unit. He's, he's going to be the guy to bring in that type of close tight-knitness. If, if that was the case, he would be uh, still in Pittsburgh. Yeah, dropped a sick rap song, too. Yeah, well, he, he seems to care about that just about as much as his football career, which is another cause for concern. Um, I want to quickly say, um, bringing in Jamison Crowder uh, for nine, $9.5 million a year was one of my favorite signings this year in the offseason, something I would have loved to see the Lions do. I think we spoke about that in the free agency podcast, Clep. Um and Sam Darnold, man, uh, Sam Darnold is a guy that we all liked as our number one quarterback in, in uh, the draft last year. And I think this is going to be a huge year of improvement for Sam Darnold. I, I think this, that there's a lot of pressure, obviously, on Sam Darnold this year to improve. And I think that there's really no excuse that he shouldn't improve, seeing as he's got more weapons around him. They did bring in uh, Calicio Semele. They traded for him on the Raiders. He's not necessarily... Uh, you know, the greatest uh, interior lineman in the league, but he's, he's solid. He's proved that he can be solid. And to finish this, just kind of where, what I'm thinking about this team, looking at the overview, weeks nine to week 14, Miami, the Giants, the, Raider, or the, the Redskins, the Raiders, the Bengals, Miami again. That's six weeks in a row where they're playing teams, in my humble opinion, that they have a better roster than. And I'm looking for them to really take advantage of that six-week run because it's very, very scarcely in the NFL do you get a run of games uh, six in a row when you're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team that you have more talent than six weeks in a row. So I think that's going to be very interesting. But I just think the way this, is, this division is shaking up that the Jets have a lot to prove this year. And the expectation, the expectation should be to win uh, over eight games, I think, this year, around nine, and, and to make the playoffs. I genuinely think that that should be the expectation in New York with the, 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 the combination of things I just listed between Gase overperforming in Miami and being their coach, obviously, uh, regardless of what he did on uh, Media Day or whatever with his eyes. Um, Sam Darnold being the quarterback of the future, and on top of that, all the money they spent on guys like Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, Jameson Crowder, etc. So I just think that the, uh, I just wanted to make my point that the, the bar is going to be extremely high for the Jets this year, in my opinion, Yeah, the, and it sh- as it should be. Yeah, the bar is going to be very high, and I, I'm very bullish on the Jets this year. I think that this, uh, this really has to be a year of, of vast improvement, and whether that's making the playoffs, slipping into that, that sixth seed like Adam kind of foresaw for them maybe uh, last year, or, you know, you know, just they got to win, I think, at least seven or eight games, and Darnold has to take that next step because, as you said, I – as you said, Lee, uh, you know, and I really like the Jamison Crowder move, uh, you know, paying CJ Mosley and paying Le'Veon Bell, I guess, philosophically, I kind of agree with, uh, I could see Adam Gase being the, you know, the analytics guy that he is having trouble with that. But if you're going to do that as a team, it helps when you have a rookie uh, quarterback and you have that contract going for yourself and you have that excess cap space because you're not paying uh, your quarterback. And I just really like a lot of the talent that this team has assembled. Bringing in Coleccio Semele, we've talked about that um, in kind of our, our free agency uh, post-podcast. Post and then the, this team just has a lot of young talent uh, on both sides of the ball. Chris Herndon had a really nice year as a rookie tight end out of Miami last year. 
Um, and then on defense, bringing in Quinnen Williams, Ja'Kai Polite, and Blake Cashman all through uh, the draft this year with limited picks, I think was just awesome. And, and I really believe in Quinnen Williams as a transcendent talent and someone that's really going to transform this G- defense on top of what they already have with Jamal Adams, C.J. Mosley, Avery Williamson. Uh, you know, this team already definitely uh, is talented, and it's just going to come down to uh, how well they execute. And that's definitely going to come down to Gase. But as Adam said, uh, you know, in precursor, Gase has done a very good job of working with subpar talent, you could say. And now I think he, he finally has a quarterback that, ha- you know, has true franchi- franchise potential and the talent around him to boot. So I'm, I'm expecting big things out of this Jet squad this year. And, I, I mean, I always like to see – one player at each level of that defense. And I think they kind of have that now with the addition of Quinnen Williams, obviously to pair with Leonard Williams, CJ Mosley as a linebacker, you can argue about the contract, but he's a great player. And also Jamal Adams is just a horse, probably one of the top safeties in the game already. So, uh, I mean, I, I kind of like where this team is at. I still think that they could use a, a wide receiver for Sam Darnold. I don't really think Robbie Anderson or Quincy Inunua or Jameson Crowder. I think those are all B to B minus players. And they're not bad, but I don't think they're anything special. And I think bringing in Le'Veon Bell, obviously we don't really know how he's going to perform because he missed an entire season. But it wasn't due to injury. It was just him sitting out. So it'll be an interesting test case, I think, uh, to watch him uh, this year and see kind of if players can just sit out that tag and still come back and and be, you know, top-level performers like Le'Veon Bell has in in the past. Yeah, I mean, for me it's like – if Baker Mayfield was the quarterback of this team, based off the season he had last year, people would be expecting this team to be, you know, uh, a 10-11 win team, I think. And I, I hold Sam, Darn- Sam Darnold to that standard. I think that he can be better than Baker Mayfield, dare I say it. Uh, and uh, if he wants to prove that, he's got the roster to do it. Clep, I know you, you made a good point in that all his receiver. He doesn't necessarily have an elite receiver on that team, but he's got four uh, solid to, you know, above average to, to solid pass catchers to throw to and a, a, a solid enough off- offensive line. And I think Le'Veon Bell, even if he takes a small step back, I, I still think that guy is an extremely good football player and an absolute great option out of the backfield to pass to for Darnold as a safety valve. So like I, the point I made um, originally, I just really think that the expectations are going to be high for the Jets this year as they should be. And I think that it's all really honestly. It's going to come down to what the what the mentality is in that locker room, and if those guys are gelling, I think they can be an. I think they can be a playoff team without a doubt. But I also could see things kind of going south in the whole Gase Le'Veon uh, uh, overpaying C.J. Mosley experiment, kind of not working as well as they may assume it will. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills um, this year. Kind of a bit of a bit of a down year, but almost expected. I mean, I always think it's tough for coaches who make the playoffs in their first year when they're kind of taking over reclamation project teams like Sean McDermott did uh, to kind of, you know, set the expectation level for that next season because they made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, but then you could let him go and bring in a young quarterback. It's almost just kind of natural that you can expect a, a lesser season, even if that isn't the expectation maybe of the fan base or the ownership. But they think they kind of did a nice job of, of retooling uh, this this offense and a little bit on the defense this year. I thought, obviously, Cody Ford was a guy that Lee and I really liked in the pre-draft process. I thought that was a great pick in the second round. A lot of teams passed up on him. 
And I think they might even try and play him at uh, tackle this year. I know I watched a uh, like Bills behind the scenes draft room thing, and they were talking like Cody Ford was their their right tackle of the future there. So uh, I think that's going to be really interesting. And my man uh, Dawson Knox too at the tight end position. I like that uh, acquisition as well for them on offense. And I've always kind of been a Josh Allen guy, and I really think that he fits the the city of Buffalo. He fits kind of the type of football they want to play there. Uh, and I see this team taking a bit of a step forward this year as well. I don't know if they have the overall talent that the Jets do, but at the same time, I think Sean McDermott being in his third year is pretty comfortable, and I think they might have a, a coaching advantage over over the Jets too because I kind of see these two teams. I mean, we'll get into the Dolphins, but I see these two teams as kind of vying for those second and third spots uh, in the division and potentially competing for a wild-card playoff spot. So um, where do you guys kind of see this team uh, going into this season? Um, for me, it comes down to Josh Allen, uh, similar to the Jets. I know obviously we can talk all day about how it comes down to the quarterback. I think the Bills had one of the most agreeable off-seasons, in my opinion. Clep, you texted it to me the other day. This draft is straight out of the back judge room. Uh, Ed Oliver with the ninth pick, Cody Ford, 38th, Devin Singletary, 74th, Dawson Knox, 96th, Voshan, 147th, I mean, we don't need to go into the deeper rounds, but those guys Veer right Camp there. Veer Camp Tyree undrafted. Veer Camp, bringing Veer Camp Tyree in, just putting the cherry on top. I think this team is going to run the football, run the football effectively. They got a good offensive line. They got a defense that is extremely well coached and extremely physical. Um, I'm really excited to see what Ed Oliver can get in there and do. And I think this is a team who's going to just grind their way to wins this year. I think Josh Allen is a gunslinger. He's grown on me a little bit. I don't necessarily think he has the accuracy uh, and the poise yet to be a fourth-quarter quarterback, especially in the conditions that you have consistently in Buffalo. But I do. There's there's a lot to like about this team this year. I think, like you said, Clep, there's not. There, I don't think there's really even nearly as much talent, dare I say it, as there is on the Jets side. Um, the pass catchers on this team worry me. I think the best pass catcher on this team is is. Uh, uh, is Zay Jones possibly, or uh, who do they bring in? John Brown uh, John and Brown? Cole Beasley. John Brown and Cole Beasley. So those guys are, I think those guys are both guys who have seen better days. Um, and But, I mean, they, they spent a lot of money on the offensive line, and they spent money on, you know, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy. They got old season running backs, and they got young guys uh, backing them up too. So they got a nice rotation stable of running backs. And then on defense, I love my boy Jordan Poyer, and I, I just I love this defense, man. I think this is a defense that is going to compete and keep their team in games. Um, and, and you know, regardless of how many times Josh Allen may turn the ball over or the offense may not be clicking, I think Buffalo is a type of team that, especially at home, can win games this year, thirteen to seven. Um, and that's I think that's something to like. I think that's something rare, and there's a reason why they're keeping Sean McDermott. After the the somewhat disappointing season last year, I think that's because the brass believes in uh, what this guy is doing. They believe on the in the defensive side of the football, and they kind of believe in the old school style. Um, and yeah, I guess that's basically as much as I have to say about the Bills. I really would have would like to see this team get an effective pass catcher. Uh, I think that really could put them over the top. But I'm looking for Josh Allen to really take a step this year, and I genuinely think you know it may be a pretty basic thing to say, but. If Josh Allen has a better year than Sam Darnold, this Bills team is going to finish better than the Jets. And if Sam Darnold, as I expect him to, has a better year than Josh Allen, I think that uh, the Jets team will, will, will conquer the second place in that division. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of comparisons to be made between both the Jets and the Bills, and I don't uh, necessarily think that the Jets are that much more talented than the Bills. They might have a slight edge, but I think you can look at what both these teams did going into year two with their quarterbacks, improving the offensive line through either the free agency or the draft, bringing in veteran pass catchers uh, for their young quarterback. Yeah, both of them don't really have a 1A guy at uh, the receiver position, but there's a lot of production to go around. Um, And looking at this Bills roster, I mean, Robert Foster had a really good year last year as an undrafted free agent from Bama, uh, and I really like John Brown's game. And then Cole Beasley, too, is just a very reliable, uh, you know, he's going to be a very reliable weapon for uh, for Josh Allen in the short pass game. And then you bring in Ed Oliver, very uh, similar to Quinton Williams, kind of the two top interior pass rusher, uh, pass interior uh, defensive tackles in the draft. And then I'm just going to repeat what you said, Lee. I mean, this defense, man, can really get after it. they got a player at each level. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I, I expect to take a next step in his development. Uh, you know, this team is just going to be a very tough out, and then it kind of just goes back to Josh Allen. And we know what he did last year. I mean, he he proved something to me last year uh, that he, uh, there's, a, there's a certain resolve with Josh Allen that I think I underestimated with him in the draft process. And I think that uh, I agree with what you said, Clep, about him kind of embodying the spirit of Buffalo and I just think this team is going to be a tough out, and I think it's going to be a neck-and-neck race between the Jets and the Bills for the two and three spot in this division. Uh, Tommy, just bouncing off what you were saying, I think they've got maybe a couple dudes at every level. This is a yeah. team that has got a nice nice rotation of guys on defense. And like I said, between Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, there's an identity on that defense. This is arguably, I think, a top seven, uh, maybe even top five defense in the NFL. Uh, I think that they're going to prove that this year. They're really just a – oh, sorry. I just wanted to say they're just like a dominant pass rusher away from arguably having one of the best defenses in the NFL, I feel like. You know? Josh Allen is is 6'6", Trubisky with a sack. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like some, some Trubisky slander. Yeah. Always, always, have, always here for that. Uh, and I think I, one interesting note about this uh, team, uh, Kyle Williams uh, retired – longtime interior defensive lineman for the Bills. And during his time with the Bills, as he became a veteran, he held uh, like a defense-only players meeting where just the players went through film. And he was kind of the leader of, of that film session. And when he was retiring last year, he passed on that responsibility of leading the film session to Tremaine Edmonds, which as a really wow. young player, I think uh, just says a lot about what the team, of, what the Bills think about him as a, as a potential leader and as a guy who is going to kind of be the, the face of this defense going forward. So, I mean, I, I think Tremaine Edmonds, he's, he was a young player, and I think he got better as the year went on. And I don't know you know, if the Bills I – mean, I think the Bills think highly of him, and I think it you know, still remains to be seen what type of player he's going to be. But I thought that kind of vote of confidence from you know, an all-time Bill to give him that responsibility was, was pretty cool and, and I think says a lot about what they think of him. Absolutely. And Clep, as if I even need to say it, but I'm going to anyway, I really think that Cody Ford Tough F-150 is really going to prove that he shouldn't have been drafted as late as he was this year. I think he's going to come in and get a lot of snaps for this team in Mall uh, up front. I really do. So I, I am excited. I'm excited to see this team, watch this team play football and, and see the way they run it and see Josh Allen gun that thing down the field. Yeah. And uh, in wake of Kyle Williams retirement, it's, it's never too late to shout out my boy from last draft season, Harrison Phillips, he's taking that next step this year. Horrible Harry. Hor- horrible Harry's taking that next step to be a, a pillar in the middle of that defensive line next to Ed Oliver. They got depth, man. Let's go to the Dolphins, who 
brought in Brian Flores as their new head coach after parting ways with Adam Gase, which was you know an interesting decision. Uh, when an offseason where you saw a ton of teams going for that young, offensive-minded guy, they just went with a, a Flores who, coming from New England, is more of just an overseer, uh, more so than a, a head coach. I'm sure he will have a lot of say, though, as far as that defense goes in Miami this year because that was kind of his responsibility with New England. But the other big thing that Miami did was bring in Josh Rosen via trade, gave up a second-round pick for him, took him from Arizona after uh, the drafting of Kyler Murray. Uh, And I think, you know, I thought that was a good move for this team. I don't think giving up a second-round pick for Rosen necessarily marries them to him for the future. You know, if they have a terrible year this year and end up with the first overall pick, I could easily see them just taking a different quarterback. Obviously, that would kind of suck for – Rosen's development, but at the same time, this is the NFL, and you kind of got to do what you got to do to stay relevant. Um, also, you know, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick there just in case things don't really work out with Rosen to at least steer the ship a little bit so that this season, you know, wouldn't be a, a total embarrassment. Uh, as far as that goes, though, where do you guys think of the Rosen experiment in Miami here? Um, I think that they should have a plan, and I think that plan should be, hey, Josh, we're giving you the keys, man. Prove yourself this year. And I know that that doesn't mean that they have to make the playoffs. That doesn't mean – I just want to see something from Josh Rosen, a little bit more than, than the Cardinals obviously saw from him last year because they weren't justified enough to keep the guy with the number when they had the number one pick. And if you draft a, a quarterback in the first round, especially in the top ten, you should be justified to keep him one year after you draft him. I don't care if you have the number one pick. So I would say – I mean, I know the reports are that Fitzpatrick looks better in camp. I think this team needs to look, give itself a good, hard look in the mirror, say, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs this year. We're not going to be the competitive team our fans really want us to be. We're a couple years away from that. Address that. Say, Josh, we want to see improvement this year. We want to see why the, the reasons why you were drafted this high uh, in the draft last year. And we're kind of giving you the keys. Go out there, show us something, and 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 prove that you're the guy that we can build off of so that next year if we do have a top five pick, we can surround you with talent or the protection that you need to make this to make this train run the way it needs to run. I don't necessarily know if they're going to do that. They may end up just going with Fitzpatrick, winning six games or five games or maybe even less, and then Rosen comes in late in the season with low confidence, doesn't play well, and they end up replacing him, and he goes off to another team. I would hate to see that. I really philosophically believe that they should uh, throw Rosen in there, even though the line isn't great. I think they should, you know, have an an offensive game plan with Rosen to get the ball out quickly. And you know, I mean, I love I I love the fact that they drafted Christian Christian Wilkins. I'm a big fan of his, and I think that maybe it was a little too late, but they did uh, address their offensive line in the draft after losing Juwan James to free agency. But aside from the fact that they have some good young defensive defensive pieces, I'm excited to see Minka Fitzpatrick take a, take that next step on defense at safety. I really don't think there's too much to be excited about in Miami, and I honestly would be pretty shocked if this team won more than five games this year, um, even six, honestly. I just think that they're the team everyone's kind of going to stomp on this year, and I do think they're going to have a top-five pick in the draft next year. But I really think this year kind of should be the Rosen experiment a little bit just to kind of see what value they really got out of that second-round pick. Yeah, and that's kind of my problem. I mean, we talked about it after this trade went down, that this just could be a repeat of the situation that Rosen found himself in last year in Arizona. Um, but I will say that, Lee, you kind of touched on it. They did, they did draft two guys, uh, Michael Dieter and his Isaiah Prince, after losing um, 
uh, Jawan James. Michael Dieter might start for them this yeah, year. Yeah, he very well could. I mean, he's from yeah. Wisconsin. It seems to be a pro-ready uh, guard. But I still just think that Josh Rosen might be getting the short end of the stick in, in the end of this evaluation, and this team is, is not very competitive. And, hey, maybe that just means that Josh Rosen is a bit of a, a system quarterback who needs – uh, a, a more not I don't want to say a perfect situation around him but a more ideal situation around him um, but other than that I mean this team they, they aren't they aren't disgustingly bad I mean their defense I mean I, I like you said Lee. I think Christian Wilkins is a great pick and I think it kind of illustrates the mood that they're in they're trying to build for the future and get more uh they went were a safer route i feel like in the first round which there's there's nothing wrong with that getting a guy who should be a plug in the middle for the next 10 years uh i think charles this is a make or break year for charles charles harris um but you know this, this team has talent on the defensive end that should make them uh you know at least relatively competitive but yeah I, i'm with I'm, I'm with both of you guys i think this team is probably the worst in the division is going to be gunning for a top five pick uh, this time next year or in April. I want to see some new receivers in Miami too, dude. I'm tired of seeing Devontae Parker's name. I know Kenny Stills has been solid too. He's been the cool. only bright spot as a pass catcher for them, but uh, I'm just tired of hearing Devontae Parker's name. That guy needs to move Seriously. on. They need to move on from him. Albert, it's lasted too long. Albert Wilson had and then a, I want to uh, give a quick shout out. Uh, I'm looking for Gusecki to make a step too. I really am looking for Mike Gusecki to kind of prove me right a little bit and um, be the uh, the the... the the aerial threat that everyone thought he was coming out of college and the athlete that everyone thought he was. A quick uh, Dolphins nugget before we move on to the Pats, though, uh, kind of referencing their offensive line. So the Miami Dolphins are spending the least amount of money on their offensive line out of anyone in the NFL, and they're paying them uh, $14 million. And the 31st team, the Minnesota Vikings, is spending $26 million. Wow. So they're $8 million even below the next top team. And I think – it kind of at some point, I think with the offensive lines, like you need to just spend money to ha- have a decent one, and uh, they're really well below average in, in terms of league pay, uh, dead last, but you know even just way below. Well, Laramie Tunsil's got to be up pretty soon, which you would think is gonna, you know, he's probably gonna get a, a nice sizable deal. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, he's like the only one in that line though that kind of makes you yeah excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, let's jump over to the New England Patriots. Obviously, the champions from last season. I wrote a bit of a prophetical article, if I do say so myself. The New England Patriots are the inconvenient truth of the AFC playoff picture. That was posted on December 23rd, 2018. So go check that one out if you want to see uh, me really look into the future. Because I did. Uh, <laughs> hey, you, you, there are, the Bible ain't the only book that got prophets in it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Adam's um, mouth, a prayer book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the Patriots, Brady's a year older, Gronk's gone, and objectively they have less talent than they did last year, but it, it just never really seems to matter, huh? No, it doesn't. And it's funny that you brought that up because when I was listening to our AFC East podcast from last year, we were we were, we were kind of uh, pontificating on the musings of, of – of the media at that time saying that this is probably going to be New England swan song and their last year of uh, this could be the cliff year for New England as a whole. And I think we, after seeing what we saw last year, I think we just have to put all that to the side. And I, I think that this team, I mean, I don't know if they're less, t- I mean, obviously they lost Gronk. They, uh, they lost Trent Brown, but this team just reloads. And like we uh, touched on in the cliff year or the uh, not cliff year, but the, 
uh, underrated players episode. Isaiah Wynn's coming in after missing the year. You draft Yanni Kajus. Their offensive line, I think, has a chance to be better than it was last year. And then they just reloaded, bringing in Chase Winovich off the edge, who I think is going to be incredibly uh, productive for them. Michael Bennett, so that should curb the loss of Trey Flowers. I just am, you know, this team has a blueprint. They have an execution. They know what they're doing. Uh, there's not much more to touch on it from my perspective. This is the top dog in the AFC until, until proven otherwise. Yeah, man, the Patriots dictate this league. There is no such thing as a cliff here as long as Bill Belichick is the coach of this team. And anyone who pulls a Max Kellerman and tries to say that repeatedly that this team, that they, oh, could this be the year? No, it, it's not going to happen. This team is the standard. Bill Belichick is five steps ahead of ba- the, the second best coach in the league, maybe even ten steps ahead. He, he has his methods. He has his, his, basically his laws that he follows and his procedures, and he will not overpay. He knows value better than anybody in the league. This team drafts incredibly year after year after year. There is no reason to believe the New England Patriots will not win 11 or more games this year. Maybe they'll drop their first game of the season to the Patriots. Maybe they'll drop two of their first five games like they sometimes do early in the year. But as the season goes on, this team only gets stronger and stronger. And barring some unseeable injury, or God forbid, or you know, Bill Belichick losing his spirits in some magical, unforeseeable way, which is not even worth saying right now, um, this team is going to win this division, win 11 games, and probably make a run to, at the very least, the AFC Championship. So I don't really have too much more to say. Um, I'd like to see if you guys have, have any, anything bad to say about this team. I mean, there's a, if it was any other team, I would, of course, have bad things to say. I mean, you know, it's like you, you look at things on, like, the linebacker side, like Dante Hightower, seems like he was a little bit slower this year, but seems like they just find a new guy with Kyle Van Noy, and he steps in, and they really like Landon Roberts, who's a six-round pick. Like, the interior of their line isn't that great because it's Lawrence Guy and Danny Shelton, but I guess it works. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just the kind of thing where, obviously, they have lesser talent, uh, all across the roster, but just it, it seems to always work out for them. So I, I don't really have much else to say about this team other than I'll put them first uh, to finish in yeah. the AFC East. Just the way they draft, too, I just want to point out, I mean, they obviously clearly have Sony Michelle, who's still young, and James White playing running back for them, and they still draft Damian Harris. They know they need that rotation. They know they need, they need that depth. And, you know, bringing in Chase Winovich, a guy who I think is going to be extremely productive for them, Kajus. And then I'm looking for Nikhil Harry to really have an impressive rookie year. That's the first time the Patriots have really sprung on a receiver that early in the draft, as far as I can remember. So I am interested. Obviously, he did some things on tape that they really loved. So I'm definitely interested to see what type of impact he's going to make, um, you know, as a 22-year-old coming in. And, and I just want to touch on that, too. I think Nikhil Harry can be that Gronkowski replacement, at least from just a red zone uh, target and a guy that they just use as a matchup nightmare who did stuff from the slot at Arizona State and can play outside. And I just kind of wanted to touch on the Damian Harris pick because I at first was like, ah, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But then, you, like you said, Lee, they love that rotation. And Damian Harris just does everything well, man. He can catch out of the backfield. He's a solid runner, and he can block well, too. And then another guy, too, Byron Coart, who they got in the fifth round, I believe was the number one player in the nation or at least a five-star recruit back in his day in high school who kind of fizzled out a little bit, ended up at Maryland. But a guy like Deshaun Hand, who the Lions got, and that who kind of fits that Patriots D-line mold and is just an athletic freak, and I expect a lot of production out of him. Uh, so I just 
and and Clep, your boy Derek Rivers, maybe he can make that that uh, that leap here in year three and and add, give them another pass rush threat off the edge. Big fan of his. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was it was a devastating day in Sealy one when uh, he went right before the Lions picked. Never forget. Yeah, not too much else to say about this team. Not as dev. Shall we get into these predictions? Well, I just want to make one joke, and because it, it wasn't as devastating as the smell of, of burnt fryer oil that that resonated over our apartment for a week and, and made me nauseous for a week straight. But yeah, let's get into those predictions. Comerica Club, baby. Comerica Club. Hey. Class is in session. <laughs> Kane's Club. Um, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm going to do uh, Patriots number one, and I'm going to kind of go with a pick from the heart here and take the Bills, finishing second place. I really just like the way that team is put together, and whereas the Jets may have more talent, I think the Bills have just, you know, more gusto. Uh, so I'm going with the Bills finishing second there, and, and you know, my little AFC East six-seed contender, baby. That's 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 where we Ooh. like to throw them in. Uh, and I'll put the I put the Jets third. I think that they'll make some some progress with uh, Sam Darnold and the rest of the crew. But I I do think that there is a little uh, lack thereof of of a pass catching talent on that team. And I think Gase uh, might get off to a little bit of a rocky start. Players might not buy into the the experience maybe in year one. So I'll put them third, and then I'll just put the Dolphins fourth. I I think their offensive line is just too bad for me to even get excited them about being a sleeper team. Uh, I don't know if I think you know, like we said, Rosen's kind of stuck in a crap situation again. And while I don't, I believe in him, you know, maybe the least out of those top four quarterbacks from that draft. I don't know, you know, even maybe if he has the talent, even if it was on a different team. So um, that that's kind of where I have these guys falling in. Um, I'm going all in, man. I'm going all in on the Jets, to be honest. I'm obviously going to pick the Patriots to finish first in this division. But I'm, I'm really going all in on the Jets. I'm going to make a prophecy that the Jets are going to win uh, 10 games this year. They're going to come second in the AFC East. Um, and I'm really looking at, like I stated earlier, I think Monday Night Football in, in the Meadowlands, Week 7, the Patriots come to town. I think the Jets are going to take them down. And I think that the next, uh, few, or the next seven weeks, it looks like, I, I like the Jets to go 7-1 and one from Week 7 to week 14, I only think they're going to lose one football game in, in those games. I really think they're going to get to clicking. And I like I like what the Jets are cooking up. I'm kind of believing in Gase. The Greg Williams thing scares me. The Le'Veon Bell locker room thing kind of scares me. Off the field thing kind of scares me. I feel like he might mentally unplug if they're not performing to the level or if he's not getting the ball enough or whatever it is. I, I don't know the guy, but I, I just don't really trust him that much as, as, a, as an individual. Um, but I'm going with the Jets in second with 10 wins. I like what Buffalo a lot, but I genuinely think this team is going to lose a lot of close games in the fourth quarter that their defense is going to keep them in. I don't think they have the aerial, uh, you know, the, the threats aerially, and I don't think Josh Allen is necessarily as far along in his progression as a quarterback as Darnold is. So I like the, I like the Bills to be a damn competitive out, but I still see them around seven wins this year. And then I think the Dolphins are going to be the floor. I, I could very well see the Dolphins drafting first through third in the draft next year. So uh, I'll stick the Dolphins there and last. So, Lee, are you putting any uh, playoff things on that prophecy, or is it just 10 wins? I'm uh, fine with either. The They're both – they're both fine. I think 10 wins Ten wins yeah. is the playoffs to me right. in the AFC. So I'm going the Jets win double digits. and Leave it I'm, at my that. Big prophecy, my big prophecy is week 7 through week 14, the Jets are going to go 7-1. and one. That's my huge my – so, so. Repeat that for me. 
Week 7 through Week 14, starting with the Monday night football game at home against the Patriots and ending with Week 14 matchup at home against the Miami Dolphins, the Jets are only going to lose one football game. Maybe it's the Patriots. I think they're going to beat the Patriots, maybe slip one to Jacksonville or Oakland or, you know, someone in between. But I'm only counting them to lose one of those games. I can repeat it for you guys if you want. Home Patriots at Jacksonville at Miami. Home Giants at Redskins. Home Raiders at Bengals. Home Dolphins. Like that. Well, Lee, uh, we have the same we have the same order. I don't know. I got the Patriots in, in first, and I, I see the Jets winning about nine game this nine games this year. I'm not going to go the full ten, but I definitely think that the potential is there for them definitely to make. Uh, you know, the cl- the clep prediction sliding. We believe in we Sammy. We believe in Tommy. Sammy. We believe in uh, Sammy. I, I don't know about ten games, but they're sliding into that six wild card spot. I can guarantee you that. And then the Bills, I see a slight improvement. A seven-win season, like Lee said, and then I have the Dolphins at a three-win season, and and kind of being the the low cow of the NFL. And uh, Lee, just for for clarification, yesterday uh, you were with the the Rams. Was that nine or eight wins you were calling for? I I I didn't I wasn't ready to prophesize okay. eight wins. I I stuck them at eight wins. I could very well see them winning nine. I'm not ready to prophesize it. Fair enough. Uh, Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this enhanced audio experience. And, uh, you know, we'll catch you with the the AFC. uh, I'm sorry, the NFC East next time. Yeah.